0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. I want to spend today reminding ourselves about what we do and why we do what we do, uh, who we are as a church. Uh, if, if you're if this is your first or second time here, it's a great Sunday because you kind of get a little bit of an inside peek into into our heart, into what makes our church beat, like what is the, the, the rhythm of the, of, the, of the beat of our church, and so um, I, I've, I have this conviction in my life, and I've had it, uh, I have it now, I had it at the beginning of our church, that Hampton Roads, this geographic area, doesn't need just another church, uh, and by that I mean I'm not trying to talk negative about any church that exists, uh, they're, they're great, they're I have great friends who, who pastor and lead other churches in the area and they're doing awesome things. but I don't think that Hampton Roads needs another church just for the sake of having another church. I do believe that Hampton Roads needs a different kind of church to do what what perhaps is is lacking, in our area, again, it's nothing negative about anybody else. They're pursuing what God has called them to pursue, and that's awesome. But I think there's a niche. I think there's a there's a there's a gap in a, in our area for a church that that it's my heart that we would both be and become, and both who we are now and who we are being made to be. And and at my heart, my personal heart, um, there there are um, kind of two tensions, if you will, and there are two core convictional truths in my life because I believe with everything in me, like my heart and passion is that we would be a church where unchurched people can encounter the presence of God unchurched people, they don't have like all of the information and they don't know all the right behaviors and they don't say all the right words and they may be rough around the edges, but they can have a place where they don't have to like get it together first, but they can come and encounter the very presence of God. And those two things a lot of times really feel like they wage war in my own heart. Like there are these two like convictions and it feels like a lot of times they are, they are um, smashing against each other. They're like, they're butting heads. Because on the one hand, I have, a, I have an incredible passion for unchurched people. And I believe that church ought to make sense for people. That, that church should not be so uh, high and lofty and, and we're using weird words and we don't know and what's that mean? And I've never read the Bible before and you gotta have a theology degree to go to that church. And and I just believe that, no, you know what? You should be able to walk in off the street and church ought to make sense. Like you ought to be able to connect with something that's said and, and the people ought to be normal and not weird and strange and there's no Kool-Aid being passed around like, like, I just believe church ought to make sense to people. Like, it, it ought to make sense. And at the same time, I have this other core conviction that sometimes feels like it's fighting against that— that I believe the number one thing that people need more than anything else in their life, more than more than five steps to a better marriage, three steps to a better parenting, two steps to break an addiction, I believe that the number one thing that people need is, is, a, is, a, is a life-altering encounter with the presence of God that just leaves them like face down in the floor in a pile of snot and tears as they are just overwhelmed by his goodness. So you can see why that, like, this, this in my heart, those two don't feel like they go together. Because it's like, well, how can you have that and have a church that makes sense to unchurched people? And the answer is, I don't really know. But that's the, that is the target that our church is shooting for. Like, uh, officially, technically, our mission statement is that we exist to point those far from God to life in Jesus. And another way I've been saying it like in my own life is in my own prayers is God, make us a church where unchurched people can encounter the presence of God. Where unchurched people come in and they have no like that they, they have no um, um, tradition and, and traditionalism that, that like gets them off course, or maybe they're de-churched, maybe they're just tired, maybe they're overchurched or no church or whatever, but just people they can come in and encounter the very real presence. God because I know in my own life it's those moments where I encountered his presence and I was just overwhelmed by his goodness and I stared at his face and everything else just drifted away it's those moments that have defined my life and have made me the person I am today and so it's my prayer that unchurched people people who don't know Jesus people who who, who are wanderers in the, in the, in the, 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 the path of life that they would find our church and, 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 and they would come in and, and they would have a life-altering encounter with the presence of God. Now, to, to make that happen, there are a few things that really define who we are as a church. And we call these ownership. Like we talk about these as ownership responsibilities. Have you ever been to an ownership class? We talk about this in, here, in, in there, and I'm going to talk about five of them real quick. Number one, uh, we say that, that that one of the behaviors that really kind of takes it from just being, well, that church or their church or your church to my church, like this is my home, this is this is where I, I, I live, and, and this is my family. The first one is this, uh, that, that you would serve on a team, serve on a team. Uh, we say wiki church, The church is best when church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrificial service of many. And so we talk about, about serving. Now, I just want to do a real quick informal poll. How many of you here at, at Vertical Church, you serve on a regular basis? Would you just lift your hand? Just lift your hand. Yeah, yeah, look around. Look at people's hands up. Right, and I would almost guarantee that those of you who had your hands up, you would probably say, I get more out of serving than I put into it. Like, I get more from it than I do giving, there's more of an inflow than an outflow when I serve. Why is that? Because, Because serving allows our faith to come alive. That's why we want people serving. Not because we have a bunch of stuff that needs to get done. That might be true, but if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. The reason we want people serving is because we recognize that as we serve, it does something internally to us. It changes us and transforms us. And so, we talk about serving on a team. Number two, we talked about connecting in a group. Uh, we we say it this way that circles are better than rows. In fact, uh, life change. This is what we believe. Life change happens at the intersection between faith and fellowship. Now, see, sometimes what we want to do is we want to we want we want to um, uh, focus on the fellowship, and we just get together and we have fun and relationships, and this is awesome. But unless you add the component of faith in there. You don't see life change because really, if you're just getting around and drinking coffee and sipping tea and and, and eating food, that's great. That's fun. But life change happens when you add a component of, hey, what's Jesus doing in your life? Hey, let's pray together. Let's seek God together. We can have fun. We can have fellowship. We can get together and talk and share and do life together. But let's add the element of faith in there so that life change can happen. So we want people connecting in a group because that's where life change happened. It's, it's the intersection. We believe our groups are the intersection of faith and fellowship. We also, number three, we say we, we encourage people to give a percentage. Here at Vertical Church, we, 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 we lay that out now for our owners that we believe that the baseline of giving is 10%. And that's how we talk about it. We say, you know what? We want you to give a percentage. We, we want you to have a plan to support your church financially. Because if you want this to be my church, my home, my family, we believe you serve on a team, you connect in a group, you give a percentage. Because I, I, as our faith grows, our heart, we, we discover our heart is closely connected to our bank account. And so we want our heart to follow after God and and, and be part of this church. So if our heart's going to be in this church, our bank account has to be connected. So we talk about that. We talk about worshiping with passion. If we're going to be a church where unchurched people can encounter the presence of God, we have to be a church that worships passionately because we recognize, just like Pastor Hope has said time and time again, that that worship and praise, and if you look at it scripturally, it is what it is what opens the gates to an encounter with God. It's what opens the the, the doorway into His presence is when His people come together with a song on their lips and praise on their hearts, and they and they and they lift up His name. And so we want people that call Vertical Church home to come and worship passionately because we recognize that when we lift up a passionate worship and and unchurched people are here, they are more likely to have an encounter with God because we have now opened the door to the presence of God. Because we believe that a church that is all about God is better for people than a church that's all about people. And so we want to be a people who worship with passion. And the last one, this is the one we're going to focus on today, invite a friend. Invite a friend. The thing is, this 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 one thing, if if you think about all of the others, this one thing really will change the way you see church. Because when you invite a friend, all of a sudden, um it, it causes you to look at church with different eyes because you're looking at it through the eyes of the person you invited. So pastor, don't say anything weird, don't say anything freaky, be funny, but not too funny, you know, we want the worship to be good, but not too, you know, all of these things that we that we think about when we have invited somebody, it changes the way we see church. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give you a, a word picture for how this works, kind of a, 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 this, this image for how it works. So if we're going to be a church where unchurched people encounter the presence of God, here's the reality: we have to start with church people. Okay, you can't you, you can't have a church where unchurched people encounter the presence of God with a bunch of unchurched people. Like you got to start somewhere. So you got to start with church people. And we're going to call this for the for the sake of this this uh, illustration, we're going to call these people insiders. Okay. That's not any like, knock on anybody. It's not meant to be exclusive. It's just simply uh, the word we're going to use for this. And what happens are, these insiders start doing the very things that we talked about. These insiders, they start serving. Right, so they're serving on a team. They're 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 plugged in. They're 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 doing something. They're pursuing their calling on this team. It might be in kids. It might be at the door. It might be on setup. It might be on worship. It might be anywhere It might be in the middle of the week on the count team, special events, uh, all these different things. But insiders have to start this movement happening, and they start by serving. They're 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 serving. They're giving of their time, and then uh, and, and then you know they they continue. Uh, by connecting. They connect in a group. You know, the group's got to have a leader. The group's got to start somewhere. So groups typically start with outsiders. And so they're connecting in a group. And um, and then, you know, they, they move to the next level and they're giving Right? They're giving to help make it happen and they're and they're sacrificing financially. And then uh, they, they come to church and they gather, and when they gather together, man, they worship with passion because they want to create an environment where God is present and God can be encountered and experienced, and so they know that their worship opens up the gate for God to to, to come down and to blur the line between heaven and earth. So insiders are making this happen by doing these things, and then and then it comes to the time and they invite. Invite somebody. And we might want to call these people outsiders. I'm not knocking. If you're a first or second time guest, I'm not knocking you today, right, by calling you an outsider. The reality is all of us at some point or another, we were outsiders until we started doing this. And here's what happened. We invite somebody. They come, right, right? All of a sudden, they start serving, right? They get connected on a team. They, get, they meet some people. They start showing up early. Then they connect in a group. And then they, maybe oh, maybe I'll start giving a, a percentage of my income. And I, oh, I'm, I'm really digging this worship thing, man. I'm going to try lifting my hands. And, and now I'm inviting people. And outsiders all of a sudden have become insiders. And, then, and they just continue pushing the wheel Forward. It's kind of like a flywheel. You know what a flywheel is? Like the a uh, thing where like if you if if you you know push it, the wheel starts spinning. And if you push it harder, the wheel spins harder. You know, That's like a wheel, right? Okay. So what happens is each one of these are connecting points. Where as we do them, we make the wheel spin faster. As we participate in doing these things, we make the wheel spin faster. And as more of us make more connections on these things, we create momentum It's where the wheel is spinning faster and faster and faster, and it takes on a life of its own. And now, all of a sudden, because enough people, enough insiders have taken the step of doing these and inviting people, and more outsiders have become insiders, and now we've got the thing spinning and going and going. Now, all of a sudden, all of these are easier because there's already forward progress. There's already momentum. It's easy to invite somebody when the wheel is already spinning we have momentum, right? We have, we have momentum. So today what I want to do is I want to focus in on this one right here, inviting. Because like I said, I think it has the power to... To really transform the way we see everything else. Because when you invite somebody, all of a sudden now you're thinking about, well, who's serving that day? Who's in kids that day? I want to make sure that like, the, the people who have the most passion for kids are serving in kids because the person I invited has kids. And I want to make sure that their kid has this awesome experience. So I see church in a different way. I want to make sure set up. I'm going to show up early and help set up because I've got somebody coming and I want to make sure the environment is perfect for them. You see how it changes? Okay, so when, we, so, so when we start worshiping, man, I'm going to go all in for God today. I'm going to be lifting my hands and singing because I want my friend to encounter the presence of God. And the more I worship with passion, the more likely it is they're going to have an encounter with God. So it changes the way we see church when we invite. So I want to talk about that this morning. And the first thing I want to show you is, is reasons, like, here are, here are false reasons for inviting, okay? These are reasons we do not invite. And the first one is this. Look at it on the screen. We don't invite because we want our church to be bigger. Like, that's not the reason to invite. Like, the reality is we don't really care how big the church gets because that's not our motivation. Our motivation are, is personal stories of life change. So my motivation is not we just want our church to be bigger. My motivation is, you know that time when we had that dude show up at church and his marriage was going to pot and he encountered Jesus and Jesus started changing his life and then everything started coming together and now, like, they're not perfect, but they're, they're moving. They're, they're participating in the will and they're going forward as the church is going forward. Like, that's awesome and that's what we want. That's why we invite. Because we want to see people's lives changed by Jesus. Number two, <clears throat> number two. the second reason uh, we don't invite is because, uh, b- because, because we're supposed to invite, right? Like, I'm just obligated to invite, so I guess I've got to invite. I'm just obligated. And the reality is, anytime you're obligated to do anything, it comes across lacking authenticity. You know what I mean? Like, we don't want you to invite people because you feel guilty or you feel obligated. Well, oh, I guess I have to invite somebody because they gave me that door hanger. Like, we don't want you to invite people for that reason, because then it, it's, it's weird, and it's off-putting, and it's like, this doesn't feel natural. We want you to invite people because it's like, man, if I invite them, there's a greater chance that they're going to encounter Jesus. And so here's the reason we invite, because we know that Jesus is better experienced than explained. That's why we invite, because we know that Jesus is better experienced then explains that. So, so I can't explain to you my relationship with Jesus. It's just, it's like, it's something that you got to experience, right? Like, he, he made my life better, and he's made me better at life. And I think if you'll come, you'll experience the same thing. Amen. Like, that's why we invite, because Jesus is better experienced than explained. I'd love to explain it, but I, I can't really. You should just come. You should come, because if you do, you'll experience him too, and he'll make your life better. He'll make you better at life. So there's this story in John chapter 4 where Jesus meets this woman. We call her the Samaritan woman. Uh, the whole chapter is really about this encounter that Jesus has with her because when Jesus would walk the earth, he would have these moments where he would invite people to experience his presence, his, his personhood. And, and in these moments, we can learn a lot about like the, the, the who and the what and the why of inviting so that our church can be a place where unchurched people encounter the presence of God. It's this amazing interaction. Let's pick it up. Chapter 4 verse 5. Uh, so He came to a town, Jesus, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jesus is on his way traveling. He's trying to get back home. Uh, he's been doing some ministering and now he's he finds himself in Samaria. Verse 6. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well it was about noon. Now, think about that for just a second. Jesus, the Son of God, the, the immortal, divine essence of everything that God is in human form, in flesh, got tired. <laughs> Like, that just kind of blows my mind. I mean, that's not what we're talking about today, but Jesus is so exhausted from the journey. He's like, man, I just want to find a place to sit down. My feet hurt. We've been walking all day. Y'all go find some food. I'm just going to sit here at this well and relax. And John tells us, he says it was about noon, which kind of clues us in on something. Jesus knew his culture, and he knew nobody would be at the well, and so he went to the well to sit down at noon because nobody would be there. Why? Because he wanted to be loud alone i've been ministering to people all week i just want some time i want some me time y'all go find food i'm gonna get some me time me and the father at the well by myself right like so jesus wants to be alone and the well is a safe place to be alone it wasn't morning it wasn't evening the well would have been packed at that time it was in the middle of the day he should have been left alone but when he's at the well he bumps into this woman who evidently wanted to be left alone too. That's why she was coming in the middle of the day. She didn't want to see anybody. It's kind of like when you go to Walmart and you see that friend and neither one of you want to want to admit that you're at Walmart at 3 a.m. or 3 p.m. wearing your pajamas and like bunny slippers so you don't look at each other, you just keep your head down and don't like turn around. You don't want anybody to know you're there. Jesus didn't want anybody to know he was at the well. This woman didn't want anybody to know he was at the well. So you just imagine that they should have both just kind of like kept their head down, not spoken, do what they got to do and then leave. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, Jesus sees this as an opportunity to make an invitation. And check this out, verse 7. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now, this wasn't a pickup line. He's just like initiating a conversation. Like, hey, how are you doing? Can I get a drink? Can I buy you a drink? No, it's not what he's doing. And he, he sees her show up, and he's thinking, Why is she here? It's the middle of the day. And he sees something in her, something about her past, something about her identity that she's uncomfortable. She wants to stay hidden. So he engages her in a relationship. He engages her in a conversation. Verse 9, let's jump to verse 9. The Samaritan woman responds to him. She says, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus is breaking all kinds of like cultural norms and religious norms here. Jews, Samaritans, men, women. like it's, it's just, he, He's breaking all the traditions. And then he engages in this conversation, which is just this beautiful metaphor that he uses. And he, he starts talking about water from a well. And he tells her, he says, you know, if you continue drinking water like this, you're going to still be thirsty. If you continue drinking water from the well you've been drinking and you're going to be thirsty but I want to tell you something I have water and he calls it living water he says he says I've got I've got some water that if you drink that you'll never thirst again and you know we're not in a in a first century you know Jewish context Jewish, Jewish Samaritan context but we can understand that metaphor Like we can get that because how many of you know people in your life, maybe it's you yourself, you're drinking from a well that doesn't satisfy. Like that metaphor makes sense, doesn't it? It's like like I'm going to this thing to get something that I need, but this thing that promises doesn't come through. I'm drinking from a well that doesn't quench the thirst. Maybe for you, it's it's the relationship well. Like you're drinking from the relationship well. You're trying to find your identity and your source of strength in this relationship, trying to define who you are by who they are, and it just keeps coming up short. Maybe for you, it's power and popularity and how many likes you get on Instagram. Or maybe for you, it's money and stuff and how much you can acquire. Or maybe for you, it's a substance, and, and your life. you feel like your life is so chaotic and crazy that if I can just numb it for a few hours with some alcohol or some other kind of substance, then maybe I can get some relief but you keep going to a well that does not satisfy that's a great question to ask isn't it what are, what, what are you what are you looking to satisfy you that keeps falling short and Jesus engages her in this conversation he's like listen if you drink from this well you're going to be thirsty again but I offer you drink why don't you, why don't you come and, and, and try me he says, I'm, the, I'm the living Water. The, this woman had been drinking from the well of relationships. We come to find out in this in this story that that she has uh, she has she's had five guys. Like Jesus says, "Hey, why don't you go and call your husband?" And she says, "I have no husband." And he says, "That's right. You've had five, and the dude you're living with now isn't your husband." In other words, Jesus says, "I knew all about your past, and I still invited you. I knew all about you, and I still want to know you." As he see something. Inside of her, this woman. I mean, the thing is, when we tell this story, when we read this, we think that, like, she's, you know, she's real promiscuous, or maybe she's, you know, just, just kind of stepping out and stuff. And maybe so, maybe not, right? Like, maybe it's a different story. Because the reality is, in those days, women could not issue their own papers of divorce. She had no choice that these men left her. For all we know, she's tried marriage five times, and five, five, five different guys said, I'm done with you. I'm finished with you. You're worthless to me whatever whatever reason that, that these relationships didn't work out, can you imagine how this has shaped her identity? Five men have told her, I'm finished with you. Get out of my house. And Jesus looks at her and he says, I know everything about you. I know how you feel about yourself. I know what they did to you, and I still want to know you. It's an interesting idea. And something happened. I think something happened in this encounter. Like as Jesus is sitting there, something prompted him to engage her in conversation. There's there's an article that I read called The Power of Habit. And the idea is that as human beings, we are made up of the habits that we do. Like like you you could break us down into just the habits that we do, and these habits are prompted by cues. In other words, something happens in our life and a habit is triggered. And so if you want to change something about your life, you got to pay attention to the cues, to the triggers that trigger the habit that shapes your life. So if you want to change something, look and see, okay, what's the trigger? What's the cue that sets off the habit? And so when we look at Jesus, I think we could, we could ask ourselves, what was the cue? What was the cue, Jesus, that clued you in that this woman was ready for an encounter with God? And I think there are three things that we should pay attention to. And I just want to share these things, three things real quick, and then wrap the sermon up, and we'll go home and then start inviting people to the block party next week. And the first one is this. When you're talking to somebody and they say, it's not going well. By the way, all three of these start with not, if you're taking notes, which I would recommend you to do. Take notes, put it on an index card, put it on your refrigerator. The Holy Spirit can use it better that way. Um, Number one, not going well. Life is not going well. Life is not going well. Your conversation with somebody, and they say, "You know what, man? I just, ugh, got back from the doctor, and it's just—it wasn't good. Life's not. It's something. Something's going on. It's—I don't. I got a bad report. My marriage is is just kind of on the rocks. We're having trouble. My kid, my my kid, man, he just keeps making these bad choices and bad decisions. It's just not going well. Business isn't good. It's a downturn, man, and I don't know what to do. And we've tried everything, and it's not." going well, or maybe there's this, this, they're like, man, there's just, I don't know, there's just depression or anxiety that just kind of crept up on me, and it seems to be stealing my joy, and it's like, cue, life's not going well for this person. I should invite you to church, and so you hear the cue, hey, life's not going well. Hey, you know what? I remember exactly what that's like. I remember when my life wasn't going well what changed everything for me was when I started going to church. You know what? You should come to church with me. I want you to sit right beside of me this Sunday. Because when life wasn't going well for me, I found a hope and a joy that was greater than anything that I was experiencing right then. And I bet if you come with me, you'll experience the same thing. Life's not going well. It's a cue. It's a trigger. You hear that. This is is somebody that I should invite to church right here. God is showing me. I should invite them. Number two. Not prepared for this. I'm not prepared for this. The easiest example, of course, is when you first have kids, right? Because nobody in all of creation was prepared for having kids, okay? Because here's what happens. For those of you who are childless, kidless, single, uh, you know, whatever, like, oh, you never had kids. Here's what happens when you have kids. Week one, families show up, everybody's celebrating, man, this is awesome, this kid is so cute, let me just hold the little kid and I'll hold him and I'll bounce him and, and friends are showing up and they're bringing you food and you don't have to cook and it's so great and then everybody leaves and it's just you and this human who has no ability to reason with you. And so, and, and so they start crying, and, and you change their diaper, and you feed them, and you rock them, and they won't stop crying. And that's the reason why doctors and hospitals and midwives and nurses send, spend so much energy telling you not to shake your baby. Because when you are delusional and sleep-deprived, all you can think of is, did they say not shake the baby, or did they say shake the baby? Don't remember. We never shook our baby. We rocked our babies aggressively. Okay, so any new parent, any new parent, any new parent, hey, you ought to come to my church. Because here's the deal. You need, you need to come to my church. Your kids need to be in our environments. Your preschoolers, your babies, your infants, they need to be prayed over. Your middle schoolers, your high schoolers, they need to be in our church, and you need it because you need to see other kids who are worse than yours. So I wasn't prepared for this. Trigger cue, I should invite you to church need to come and sit with me at church this Sunday last one number three not in church I'm not in church it's the most general one but most of the time it sounds like this I'm not from around here I'm not from around here I just moved here we just got here cue bam hey this person they need to be invited to church this is a cue you see it sounds cliche but if we pay attention to the cues the cues will tell you the who's kind of sounds like Dr. Seuss actually the cues will tell you who who to invite, who, who, oh gosh, I got all these invite cards and I don't know who to give them to. Hey, just pay attention. God will show you the cues. God will, God will, God will show you through the cues. And a lot of times it's just the Holy Spirit uh, using something in their life to awaken them to the encounter of God that they need. And it's the cues that we pay attention to. And it might be somebody you just met. It might be somebody you've known for a long time. It might be a coworker, a friend, a neighbor. It might be your uh, kid you meet at the ball field. It might be a student in class with you. It doesn't have to be awkward and weird. You just have to pay attention to the cues. Because the cues will show you the cues, Which seems to be exactly what Jesus did with this Samaritan woman. Let's, let's, Let's wrap this up. Because she does it too. Check this out. Verse 28. Uh, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So she's inviting somebody. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So here we have this woman who, up until this moment, the only purpose she had was going to this relationship well. And she's probably, probably exhausted from hearing the whispers of the crowds over just the, 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 the numbness of her life. And then all of a sudden, bam, she's participating with God. She's participating in seeing people's lives change. And that's how, the, that's how the church is supposed to work. Like that's how that's how this thing moves forward. You see, she didn't start off as an insider. She started off as an outsider. And Jesus invited her. He invited her to know him. And so and so she started she started serving right and then and then she started connecting in a group and and she started giving and she she had a conversation with him about worshipping extravagant. maybe i'm stretching the truth a little bit here but eventually she started inviting and she made the wheel spin and she 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 acted on the flywheel and she pushed it forward and she got it to spin a little bit faster and the people she invited the outsiders that she invited they listened to her and they said well maybe that's true we don't really know but we're interested to find out so they come they start serving they start connecting they start all of a sudden they become uh, insiders and they start inviting others and then all of a sudden revival breaks out because people are just spinning the wheel making it go faster and the church has momentum and for two thousand years this is what's been happening is men and women just push the wheel faster and push the wheel faster and connect and and worship and give and invite and serve and we just keep making it go until you and i are sitting where we are today why because somebody made the wheel go somebody made the wheel turn somebody made the wheel spin by connecting in one of these areas Next week, you have an amazing opportunity. Like I said, this is, probably, this is probably one of the top three easiest weekends to invite somebody to church. I mean, it really is. Christmas, Easter, block party at Vertical Church, right? Like, an easy, super easy weekend to invite somebody. Hey, you should come to my church. We're throwing a huge party. Come early. And it's going to be Awesome. And then here's the deal. After we do the block party and we spin the wheel a little bit, then we jump into Christmas, which is like the easiest season, stretch of Sundays to invite anybody because our whole culture is erupting in Christmas and people are singing songs on the radio about Jesus. And so it's easy to just spin that wheel again right there at Christmas time. And how you do that is you listen to the cues. Listen to the cues. Not going well. Not prepared for this. Not in church. I'm not not from here. When we do that, what happens is we become like the Samaritan woman. We get to play a part in somebody else moving from outside to inside. We get to hear somebody else say, thank you. He's not just the Savior of the world. He's become the Savior of my world. And when you experience that, you'll give your life to make the wheel spin faster. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.